How are you guys doing today? Any, do we have any, who's the reigning Gaga Ball champions around here? Do we have any? All right. Sweet. All right. <laughs> who's the reigning nine square champions around here? Clay. Oh, he's a little tall. That helps. Yeah. Well, it's nice to see the energy. Nice to see you all awake. Uh, we're going to do another teaching, so hopefully you're not tired. And then lunch. So my name is Dove. I am one of the pastors in El Paso, Texas. So I'm down there with Steve Nelson that you just heard, and any of the crazy ones around here are probably from El Paso. So this is a picture of my family. It's been a while. I didn't have a new picture that had all of us, but uh, Clay's a little shorter, but... (laughs) Uh, I like this picture because I'm still the tallest, and so Jade is definitely taller than me, and so is Clay. So that's my wife, Holly, and we have six kids. The oldest is the redhead, Lavender, and she's 19, and in college, and then is Jade next to me, and then Clay, uh, and then Sage, and then we have two younger ones that are they're here visiting, but they're not actually part of the conference. So if you see Canyon and Sienna running around, they're all a little older, but that's me and my family. I have been very blessed, and God has been good to me. I want to share with you a little bit about me. Um, <clears throat> like I said, my name is Dove, and I, let's see, whoops, I, there we go. I am from Alamosa, Colorado, and so uh, that's down in the southern part of the state. It's kind of the icebox in the valley there, and now I live in El Paso. Does this have a... It doesn't. That would be cool. Uh, You can see where El Paso is straight down I-25 at the very end. We are still in mountain time, and but we are in Texas, but it's a lot more like Mexico or New Mexico because you can see we're surrounded by New Mexico and Mexico, which is pretty cool. It's a really cool border town, Uh, a pretty great place to be. And so I grew up there. I grew up out in the country with hippie parents. So I lived, Alamos is a small town, and we were just a couple miles out of town. And uh, here's my parents. Uh, They... uh, They were hippies. I was born in the 70s. And for that reason, we all got cool nature names like Dove and Orion and Robin and Cedar. And that's not funny. It's cool. And and so we grew up out in the country. This is me and my twin brother, Orion. I really like this picture because we were so happy. And my parents, they, uh, they kind of got kicked out of where they were living. My, my grandma, when my mom became pregnant, said, hit the road. And they went and lived in Alamosa. And they found this little tiny house that nobody was living in. And they asked the owner of the house, could we live here for free? And he said, yeah, you could, as long as you could stop people from dumping trash on my property. And so we lived in this little tiny house. It's made of adobe, which is bricks made out of mud that have been dried and then 
Usually they stucco them. You can, that one's not stuccoed very well. But it was a tiny little house. It did not have a bathroom in the house. It had an outhouse in the back of the house, which in the middle of the winter is not very fun to go to the bathroom. You learn how to hold it pretty well um, because it's not pleasant. And it was a really happy time of my life. It was not an easy time for my parents. Money was really tight, and they had a growing family, but I look back on it very fondly. Uh, You can see we had five, or I think six acres, six acres of land, which was an amazing treasure. I learned to build forts and build dirt uh, bike paths and dig holes and do all kinds of wonderful things. Uh, Here's when we had goats. Um, that's me and my twin brother, and here's another picture. This is our fifth birthday. I'm, I'm rocking the tie-dye tank top. That's pretty hard to beat right there. But, uh, but then the crazy thing happened. I went to school, and people laughed at me a lot, and I wasn't really accepted that much. And people laughed at my hair, and they laughed at how poor I was, they laughed at my clothes, and I was always really small, like tiny, and they laughed at how small I was, and so I cut my hair off, and I, you know, I tried to fit in, and you can see that's my twin brother next to me, uh, I'm the one on the right, uh, the twins are on the right, he's always been bigger than me, I've always been very, I was always small. Um, I did my best to fit in, and school was actually pretty good. I liked school, um, other than getting picked on. When I went to high school, I tried to do some things that I had never done. I was always kind of a nerd. I really enjoyed school. I, I did well in school. And then I also did some things. Uh, I, I wasn't really athletic. I had done ballet for five years, which I thought was really fun, um, my brothers didn't like it. They quit. But um, I kept doing ballet until I got laughed at so much. Because in a small town, everybody's families come to the recitals. And so then the next week at school, I would get teased. And so I quit ballet. And I wasn't athletic. So in high school, I, said, I decided I want to do some sports. And so I played baseball. I was second base. But the main place I was was on the bench. I didn't really play hardly at all. I did three years of baseball. I did three years of soccer, uh, which I wasn't very, I was decent at soccer, not very good at all. Um, I didn't play a lot. Um, But we didn't have a cool dugout like baseball to go uh, chew sunflower seeds. Um, And then I did wrestling. And so I went out for wrestling. I was the smallest guy on the team. That's me on the bottom right. Um, my freshman year, I weighed 95 pounds, and I had to wrestle these big guys. They weighed 103 pounds, and they used to beat me up. The, the kid next to me, uh, Jason Cisneros, he used to always beat me up at practice. He was really good. It's funny, because I went to my class reunion, and he's like this tall, and he's really little. I'm like, man, he used to be bigger than me. He used to like, um, I wanted to wrestle him now, but he didn't want to, but... <laughs> But uh, I was lousy at wrestling. But the cool thing about wrestling is nobody sits the bench. Everybody gets to wrestle. And you go in and you wrestle. If you lose, then you go to the loser's bracket. If you lose again, you're out. And so I always got to play every tournament. And that was great. I 
actually came to enjoy wrestling, although it was, it's kind of a love-hate relationship. It was pretty miserable. Um, here's me on the baseball team. I, they must always put the smallest people on the bottom right, so that's me on the bottom right. Um, and I was lousy. I, sh- I should have tried track or something, because that was just a waste of time. But um, So, and then, I know we're talking about high school in this conference, but after high school, I moved to Fort Collins, which is here, and I went to CSU. And I met a lot of really cool people here. <laughs> um, I lived in the dorms. This is Newsom Hall. I lived in Newsom Hall for four years. Had an absolutely amazing experience in college. I met some cool people. I lived on the, on the floor. For four years, I lived on the hall with a guy named Aaron Ritter. And we became really good friends, despite the fact that we were very different from each other. Um, And we met this guy who had graduated from college and was working at HP named Rich Thatcher and a group of other people from some of you church. And they shared the gospel with me, and I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Um, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail. I already had a spiritual background, but I didn't go to church. And so there's Rich and Aaron and I. And Rich and Torgan Lovely um, shared the gospel with me. And, and Rich, Rich discipled me. He would meet with me on a regular basis. One of the greatest blessings I've had in my life. Um, uh, here's a picture of Rich baptizing me. I got baptized in the Poudre River. Uh, I remember it was cold, but that was pretty, pretty cool. I met, made a lot of great friends. Uh, here, this is Tom Schweiger. Um, and you young people, I know a lot of your parents. And I think they're some of the most remarkable people ever. And I'm sure as, as their kids, you might not always think that. But you guys have the coolest parents like, really cool. I like him a lot. And so, anyways, we, uh, my life was changed in really awesome ways because of the love of Christ and the love of others in the church. Um, I graduated from college with, I had no idea what I was going to do. I got a degree. That's all I knew. And then I got a job with a guy named Roger Everhart. And uh, I worked for him for three years doing manual labor. So our job was to get moss rock off of the mountains up here by Owl Canyon. And so the larger rocks we would put on the trucks with equipment, the smaller rocks we would stack on pallets up to like 600 pounds, stack them, wrap the pallets, and send them off. And then I got married, and I... I had gone to the emergency room a couple times working with Roger, and the work was really hard, and I decided, you know what, I don't want to do this my whole life. And so I went back to college, and I got a master's in education, and I became a teacher. And so I'm a high school teacher. Um, I taught in Greeley first, and then we moved to El Paso in 2007, and I was a teacher there. I taught science there. And then I switched and I worked full-time as a pastor for five years. And then I went back to teaching in math. And so I'm a math teacher. 
which some of you go, yeah, and some of you automatically don't like me just because I represent (laughs) math, and there's a lot of feelings connected with that. So anyways, that's a little bit about me, and so today I want to talk about, oh, there's another picture of me and Holly. That's that's nice. All right. (laughs) Today I want to talk about something that's really important to me, and that is the question of identity. And this is what I wish I knew when I was in high school. And I, at some level, I still wish I knew this. I, I wish I knew. It's not, it's not really, you know, Paul was talking about that head knowledge and then that deep knowledge. Um, not just at a head knowledge level. I, I want to really know who I am even more. And in high school, I really didn't know who I was. And I wish I did. I wish I knew who I was. And I had all these questions, you know, like, like how do I fit in? And what do other people think of me? And like, why am I here? And what value do I have? And what is it all about? Who am I? Like, is who I am valuable? And so... I want to I want to just dig into that topic a little bit and I hope that some of that connects with you. So, let's pray and then let's jump into that. Father, thank you for your incredible love. Thank you for loving each one of us so deeply. Thank you that you know us. You know who we are. And you're not ashamed to call us your brothers not ashamed to call us your sisters. Thanks that you care about us so deeply. God, I ask that you would connect us with your love even more today, that we would know who we are to you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so the way the the world works, I really connect with this, the way that the world system works is this is what defines you. You are defined by, we are defined by what we do and by what people think about us, which is a really lousy way to be defined. But that's really how the system works, is we are constantly being evaluated and finding worth, finding definition, by what we do and by what other people think about us. And so what we do, it can often be measured with successes and failures. Successes and failures in our life. We can, we can use those to define who am I? Well, it's based on my successes and failures. And so I don't know what kind of successes and failures you've had in your life. When I was in high school, oh, some of my successes is I was pretty smart and I did a couple nerd things that I really enjoyed. One was called Knowledge Bowl and it's like these team competitions and you compete against other schools and you have to buzz in and then you try to answer these questions. And my team from Alamosa, we were state champions my junior and senior year in 4A. So we were the 4A state champions in Knowledge Bowl. That was super cool. My junior year, um, I was in a competition called Science Olympiad, which is like, man, that's like 
nerd success right there. I mean, just being in that. And so Science Olympiad, our team qualified um, from regionals to go to state. We went to state. And standing before you guys today is the state champion in balancing equations. Yeah. I know. I was the state champion in this chemistry competition called Balancing Equations. And then I also wrestled. And in wrestling, um, like I said, I was the smallest guy on the team. And my freshman year, I... Well, first of all, I remember my mom came to one of my wrestling matches. That's it. She only came to one. I don't know if I didn't invite her after that. But I'm, at, I'm in this wrestling match, and I hear my mom. I don't know... What would you like your parents to cheer for you from the stands? The match is about to start. I don't know. Throw it out. What would you like? Go yeah, go dumb. <laughs> my mom yells from the top of the stands, don't hurt my son. <laughs> like, yeah, there's, there's some love there. Thank you, mom. Thank you for caring about me. I... Imagine that put some fear and trepidation in my opponent. But we, uh, my freshman year and my sophomore year, I had a losing record. I lost more matches than I won by a lot my freshman year. Um, if you've wrestled before, they call it counting the lights because you lose if they put you on your back. And so if somebody puts you on your back, then you just sit there and count all the lights in the gym. So I spent a lot of time counting lights my freshman year. But we wrestled this team from Woodland Park. I think they're in Colorado Springs. And so they came to Alamos, we wrestled them. And so in a dual meet, everybody wrestles, and then they keep score. If you pin your opponent, you get six points. If you beat your opponent by 15 points, it's called a technical fall, you get five points for your team, which is actually bigger beating than a pin a lot of times. If you beat them by eight or more, you get four points for your team. If you beat them by seven or less, I think, right, that's the cutoff, then you get three points for your team. And so our varsity destroyed Woodland Park. And then our JV, I wrestled JV, we beat Woodland Park. I forget how many points we got. It was like 87 to six. We murdered Woodland Park. I mean, we destroyed them. And so they, all they got was six points. That was it. The entire match. The one person they pinned was me. And I had this guy. I mean, he was pretty big. He was like probably 104. And I was wrestling him, and I had him, and I, I took him down, and he stood up, and I had him. I was holding him from the back, and he fell on top of me. And he pinned me while I was holding on to him. He wasn't even like in a position to pin me. I didn't think it was rigged. I think the ref totally robbed me. I got done with my match. I felt like a loser. I went to the stands and I'm sitting there. And the, that big guy you saw next to me, you know, the 103 pounder, he came over to me and he said, Dove, do you know what a shutout is? Mm, I think, isn't that where... The other team doesn't score any points. Yes, I do know what a shutout is. And I was a freshman, and I walked out of the building, and I cried. And so 
my junior and senior year, I started to win more matches. We had an awesome team. Um, Alamosa was the state champions as, in wrestling my uh, senior year, and I was JV for four years. I never made varsity, which you're not actually supposed to wrestle JV as a senior. It's kind of against the rules. But my coach is like, go ahead, whatever. You can wrestle JV. And so I wrestled JV. And my only, the, the thing that I say is, the guy that was in my weight class, he was a four-time state champion, and he got third at nationals. So he was like really awesome. He only lost five wrestling matches in four years. He didn't lose any matches his junior or senior year. So it's like, well, at least I was JV to a really good wrestler. I mean... And so my senior year, my coach put me in in a duel to wrestle varsity. So I wrestled one varsity match in my high school career, and I was wrestling against Trinidad, and I was beating this guy good. I was, and like I said, if you're ahead by 15, you win. It's over. And I had him. I was winning by 13, and I put him on his back, and I, was, and I should have got three points. So I let him up, and I'm waiting for them to be like, blow the whistle, you win. And instead, they don't blow the whistle. This guy jumped on me, put me in some weird move that hurt. I don't remember what it was. Almost pinned me. I fought for my life. Like, this guy almost pinned me. I, I ended up beating him by, like, maybe 11 or 12. I got done with that match. I'm super excited. My wrestling career in varsity is 100%. I've never lost a varsity match. And I get off the mat, and I come over to my team. And the way it works is the whole team will come out and meet you. And I come out so the varsity team, all these, like, awesome wrestlers, could meet me. And the coach says, get over here. He doesn't let me talk to the team. He pulls me over to the side, and he rips into me. You wrestle for Alamosa. You never give up. Never I don't care how far ahead you are. You never let up. You never lighten up. I'm like, got it. I come home from the tournament. We got home late at night from Trinidad. And the guy who was going to give me a ride home wasn't able to give me a ride home. So I'm like, oh, I better call my mom. Coach is like, I'll give you a ride home. I get in the car. A second round. You wrestle for Al. Oh, man. If you think in your life about your failures and successes, the interesting thing is our successes are never enough. They're never really satisfying. I talked to somebody and he was talking about this, how he won the state championship in baseball. He left that game and went home and he had this deep sense of not being satisfied. Our failures and successes are never enough to define us. They really aren't. Like, I think about Tom Brady. Um, I don't care if you like him or not. In my opinion, he's statistically the greatest quarterback that's ever played the game of football. Statistically. He should have quit earlier, right? Come on, man. I don't know. It's just, it's never enough. There's no athlete who will be like, yes, my successes are enough. They will remember their failures the rest of their lives. You might remember your failures. 
even more than your successes. Maybe you remember your successes, but they're not enough to define us. The other thing we try to get to define us is praise and criticism. Okay, what do people say positive about us? What do people say negative about us? Is that, does that define me? Who am I? And it can fall into this perfectionism even. Perfectionism is something I've struggled with. I've learned over the years, perfectionism is this, is, it's trying to avoid all criticism. If I can just be perfect, if I can just get there, then I won't have any criticism. <laughs> but instead, we just criticize ourselves for every imperfection. It's like we're trying to escape criticism by doubling the criticism in our lives. I don't know if any of you have fallen into that trap. It's such a horrible trap. Trying to like get enough, avoid enough criticism, get enough praise. Um, I, thought, I thought it would be interesting to see how this feels. Um, I'm not saying these things don't matter. I'm not saying that your successes and failures don't matter. I'm not saying the praise and criticism you receive doesn't matter. I'm just saying it should not define us. It is not a good place to find our definition. So this is what I want to try. I want to I see what this feels like. I've, I felt a little of this earlier, and I've been teased a lot. I want you guys to yell out as many negative, critical things. It has to be G-rated. To me, as you can. I want to see what this feels like. So you, you can say as many negative, critical things, maybe even stuff that people have said to you. Um, you got 30 seconds. Go for it. Oh! You get... Oh, thank you. That's personal. It can be general stuff, too. It doesn't have to be personal. That was too funny to hurt, but... All right, I want, you guys to, I want you guys to yell out. Again, it doesn't have to be personal. It can just be positive things that like, people say to other things that's positive. I want you to say some positive things. Yell them out. What are some positive things people say? Thank you. <laughs> oh, all right, thank you guys. I, and I love you. You guys are such a good group of people. I'm like, say some criticism. Everybody's like, I can't do that. <laughs> There's nothing positive to say. Oh, man. Hey, the criticism was over. So it's interesting how different that, that feels to us. But neither one of those should actually define us. And so... I have five points for you today. My first point is that you are not defined by any measure the world can measure you with. You are not defined by how much people like you. You are not defined by how much they think you look good or don't look good. You are not defined by what you've accomplished. You are not defined by what you have failed in. You are not defined by any measure that this world can measure you with. Again, those things matter. They are a part of who we are. But 
they should not define us. I like how 1 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says, but with me it is a, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself, for I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I'm not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Wouldn't that be amazing to care less and less about what people think about you? Wouldn't that be amazing to care less and less about what your image is instead of the voice of God who actually judges you, who actually knows you? So in the world system, we're, we're defined by what we do and what people think of us. In God's kingdom, we're defined who you are is defined by what God says is true about you. Whatever God says is true about you, that is who you are. You are defined by whatever God says is true by you. That's amazing. There's so many voices in this world, so many voices. There's so many voices inside of us, so many voices outside, so many, it's like, you look on social media, it's, it's, it's insane just the amount of voices, the amount of input. But what does God really say? What does the voice of God say about us? And I love this. I think this is so amazing. Um, in Mark, it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke but in, in Mark 1, 9 through 11, it says, in, in these days, Jesus came from Nazareth to Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the, and the spirit descending on him like a dove. You can see why I like this verse, because <laughs> it's a dove. Yeah. Actually, what's cool, as a side, my middle name is Jordan because Jesus was baptized in the Jordan and a dove came and landed on him. The Holy Spirit. And guess what the Father said? The Father said to Jesus, a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Can you imagine that? Heaven opens, a dove comes down, and this voice, an audible voice from heaven, boom, says, you are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. Would you like to hear the voice of God say that to you? You, our true Father, says, You are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. I don't know if any of us will ever hear that audibly from heaven. 
But if there's one thing you hear today, this is the one thing I want you to hear. You are defined by what God says is true about you. And do you know what God says is true about you? You are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. If that goes, I mean, I know that. If that goes deep, deep, deep into who I am, into who I am defined by, that changes my entire life. I wish I knew that in high school, at the depths of my being, that this is my definition. I am loved by the most important person, the most important being in the entire universe. And it doesn't matter what Jason Cisneros says about me. It matters about that much. And what God says matters so much. And that's what he says is true about us. John 17 says that God loves us as he loved his son. And I believe this is for us as well. Next point, you have been given a purpose. Wow. A small but significant role to play in God's kingdom. For me, I didn't really have any sense of purpose other than myself. I came to CSU because I wanted to study wildlife biology and CSU has a wildlife biology program that's awesome. And my hope was to get a degree in wildlife and live in the mountains and never see anybody and count elk or eagles. And if I never worked with a single person, that would be just fine. And God touched my life. <laughs> and I realized, okay, people are actually important. I changed my major. Even though I didn't know what I was doing with my life. But I did change my major. Changed my vision for my life. And realized... I actually have a part in God's plan. I actually have a part in growing God's kingdom. God actually has a purpose for me. And I think there can be two extremes we've got to be careful of. One of those extremes is like, man, I am really important. Like, like God's kingdom might just collapse if I don't do my part. I've never actually said that, but I've <laughs> vaguely felt that. Like, man, I'm, a, I'm hot stuff. Like, this is, what I'm doing is really important. Like, man, this is, I better, I can't screw it up. I got this, like, and then the other extreme, so that's one extreme. And then another extreme is, I have nothing to offer. Look at me. Look, look at my mistakes. Look at my failures. Look at my, you know, I can't even speak. I can't even, you know, all my friends are cooler than me. And so somewhere in the middle, a healthy middle of those two extremes is, you know, I, each of you, you each have a small but very important role in God's kingdom. It's not a huge role. You're not Jesus. You're not the Holy Spirit. But it's really important. 
you have a very small and important role. God is doing amazing work here on our planet. God's kingdom is moving. God has an agenda that he is accomplishing. God's will is being done. And we get to be a part of that. We get to have a small part in that. We get to come and join in on that. And so the way that we, be a, that we are a part of that is because the Holy Spirit it lives inside of us. When you say yes to Jesus Christ, when you say yes to a relationship, the Holy Spirit comes and makes his home inside of you. And you have gifts empowered by God. And those gifts are for this world. Those gifts are to bring something something good. And sometimes those gifts might not seem too big or maybe we don't even know what they are, but you have been given a part in God's will, God's agenda here on earth. I want to look at a little section. Um, actually, it's a little longer. In 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to go through a few verses. It says, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So each of us is the same God in each of us. It's the same Spirit in each of us, empowering us for the purpose that he has for us. And it is for the common good. It's not just for our good. It's for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all these various gifts, they're all important. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. He gave you the gifts he chose. For just as the body, and all of our bodies, is one and has many members, many parts, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. You have a purpose because God's spirit has gifted you to be a part of the work here on this planet. Is that exciting? Scary? What do you think? That's pretty cool. And to be able to to be a part of that, and it's God who empowers us. I have seen in my life that when I'm the least focused on myself, I can get kind of self-conscious. And I'm just like doing what God has put in my heart to do. I am A, I'm the most who I really am supposed to be. I'm the most happy. And God uses me 
in ways that I don't even expect. It's like the gifts he gave us come out of us naturally as you live who you were meant to be. You don't have to like generate some kind of like spiritual extra something (laughs) juice. Just who you are brings good to others as you live out that um, just in the in the day-to-day. Um, the, the fourth point is that you are not inferior to anyone and you are not su- superior to anyone. This has been a challenge in my life. When I was in high school, I had a friend named Josh Burns and Josh was really cool. He was kind of short. That was the only thing that wasn't going for him. But uh, he was the captain of our knowledgeable team, which is cool or not cool, depending on what you think, but I thought it was cool. And uh, he, he was naturally really good at wrestling, uh, which I had no natural ability. And he had a six-pack, which I thought was super cool. I was like, I tried to do so many sit-ups, I could never really get a good six-pack. Um, I was really jealous of his six-pack. And he was also like, just really smooth. We went Alamosa's close to the sand dunes. We went there one time with a group of friends, and there was a couple girls there taking a picture. And he comes up behind, by them, and he puts his arms on, can I join your picture? I was like, man, that took so much guts. Like, man, this guy is like, he's actually not that cool. But at the time, he seemed so cool. And I always felt like, man, this guy, like, I'm like, I will never be as cool as this guy. Of course, then I go to college and I live with Aaron Ritter. And I felt that too. It's like, Aaron Ritter is like so cool. Like, man. Like, other than the fact that he's half robot, but man. Like, he is so disciplined, so like intelligent, so he doesn't open his mouth and speak stupid stuff. He like is thoughtful and humble and man, it's so easy to compare ourselves to other people. So easy. Like, well, I'm better than them or they're better than me. And this is good, you know, you are not inferior to anyone and you're not superior to anyone. Um, I want to. I want to try another, another act, exercise. Let's see how nice you guys are. I don't know. Um, I would. I would like a volunteer for this one, but I want a volunteer. I want somebody who's pretty serious. And so it's not the person who would normally volunteer themselves. You might have to volunteer your friend because you guys know who's serious. And somebody's not gonna be like, "Yeah, I'm a serious person." They're like, no, I'm not. But somebody who you think is fairly serious, but not too serious that they wouldn't come up here. Just somebody who's kind of serious. We're not going to traumatize them. One of you that's, one of you that's getting nominated, would you have the courage? I promise this won't, this won't hurt at all. Would you guys come up? Would you? Yeah. All right. All right, what's your name? Caleb. All right, Caleb Ritter. Are you can't be serious. 
Is he really serious? He must get that from his mom. I don't know. Okay, and where, you live here in Fort Collins. All right, well, what, we're gonna, what I want to do um, is I want you guys to give Caleb a 30-second standing ovation. And I want you to get into it, okay? So... Thank you, Caleb. You can go back to your seat. <laughs> Caleb, I didn't, I didn't say you had to prove you were serious. <laughs> so that, that was slightly funny. Did you, I saw for a moment, he was, he was fighting it. He was like, I'm rejecting this, I'm rejecting this, I'm, I'm rejecting this. And then I saw a tiny small for like, a, like half a second. Did you guys see that? Like half a second, he was... And then he went back, no, I'm rejecting this. I will not receive this. I will not. It's amazing how the praise of others affects us. And even that comparison. Do you know why we picked Caleb? He is that much better than all of you. (laughs) Did anyone else get a standing ovation today? No. And I hope it doesn't go to your head, Caleb, but uh, he, he did a good job fighting it. I don't think it's going to go to his head. But it's amazing how we can get this, like, like who's at the top, who's at the bottom, who's... And one of the things I realized with my friend Josh, who I thought he was so suave and so funny, and I thought nothing ever affected him. And it wasn't until later... There was a few times when I realized, man, the ways I criticized him, and it was mostly because I felt inferior to him, it actually affected him. It actually, and deep inside, he wasn't, he didn't feel as superior as I thought he did. And so, continuing on in that section in 1 Corinthians 12. So we're talking about this body. We all belong to the body of Christ. Anyone who has the spirit of Christ is part of the body of Christ. And each of these different parts are in it. And it says, for the body does not consist of one member. That's good. You need lots of parts, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? So this is talking about that place of inferiority, right? Do you hear that? Ah, I'm not, I don't belong. Because I'm not as cool. I'm just a foot. Well, I really like having feet. 
And, oh, I'm not an eye. Eyes are really awesome. I'm going to give them that. Eyes are cool. They're so beautiful, and you can see, and like, oh, man. But does, I like having ears, too. I, don't, I would rather, you know, like, have them. And that sense of inferiority, I have felt that sometimes. I have felt in my own life. I don't know if I belong because I'm not an I. I'm not like these other people that are amazing. I'm just me. And it's like, no, 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 no. You have an important purpose. The way you are, you have something to bring that that person cannot bring. You have something in God's kingdom to bring. And then it continues on. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. To me, that sounds like superiority. I don't need them. I am a strong part. They are a weak part. Like, no, no, no. Those parts that we thought were so weak, those parts that are not seen, those parts that do things behind the scenes are crazy important. We cannot live without them. You are not inferior or superior. You have something very important to bring to this body, to your church, to your house, to your community. Um, I'm going to skip it just for the sake of time. That You could keep reading. It's good. Um, uh, fifth point. You have an opportunity to reinforce the true identity of others. You have an opportunity to build others up. It's, that's, to me, this is an interesting phrase that the Bible uses, building up. And it's the exact words they use for building a house. It's not like a different one. So we are called to build other people up in the same way you would build a house. Of course, the foundation is Christ, and we're building on that. We're building others up. Which is cool if you like, like I do, I, I like construction, I like building things. It's like, whoa, we're building people, we're building them up. And so I want to go through a few of these verses that talk about building up. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 12, so with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, I hope you are, I hope you want God to use you in powerful ways, strive to excel in building up the church. Have gifts that build up the church that make others stronger in who they really are, that encourage them to use their gifts, that help them know who they are. Romans 15, 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. 1 Thessalonians five eleven. therefore encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. And those that, of you that I know 
I see you doing this. And it's not saying, hey, do something you're not doing. It's saying, just as you are doing, keep encouraging and building others up. It makes a difference in their lives. It makes a big difference. I would love to be a person who builds others up and not tears them down. I have torn people down in my life. And by God's grace, I trust I've built people up as well. Um, Two examples of this in my life. Um, Thinking of other people who have built me up. Um, During my life, I have had times in my life when I've been very discouraged. And during those times of discouragement, I am absolutely no fun to be with. I am mean. I am critical. I am argumentative. I am self-focused. And usually what I need is a good night's sleep and some time alone. (laughs) That's usually what I need. Um, But the encouragement of others makes a difference. Um, When I was here at at CSU, I can think of a couple memories. One of those, I was very discouraged. We went to a meeting. We had a meeting in the evening. After the meeting, I went off into just a hallway just to be alone because I just... I was just super discouraged. I don't, even, I don't remember what it was. I had a friend who came to see me. He found me in this hall and he said, hey, Dove, how's it going? I'm like, uh, I'm not doing too good. And he asked me why and I told him some stuff about what was going on. And he says to me, he's, he just looks at me, he says, Dove, you are selfish, selfish, selfish. And that's sadly true. but it didn't actually build me up. It just made me want to hide more. It was like, the only thing I did wrong was letting you talk to me. <laughs> Next time, I'll make sure to have my pity party alone and not invite anybody else. Another time, we were, I was really discouraged. I, felt, I was feeling all these negative things about myself, just aware of my failures and thinking about how pathetic I was. We were hanging out with our small group and this girl in our small group, she said to me, Dove, I still think you're cool. And uh, so that's, I married that girl. It's like, man. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we have an opportunity to build each other up. And I'm not talking about puffing each other up. There's a, there's a difference um, between building up and puffing up. And I, I really like this verse in 1 Corinthians 8. It says, now concerning food offered to idols. So this is something they're arguing about. We don't argue about that. It could be something else that you and your friends argue about. We know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up. It does, it puffs my head up. But love builds up. Love is what builds us up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Which I think ties back into what Paul was saying, um, Paul Pavlik the other night. Of to be known by God. If anyone loves God, he is known by God. And this love for others actually builds them up. 
And so it's not necessarily saying, wow, you're the most amazing person. Whoa, you're so beautiful. Even though your friends might be amazing and beautiful. And that's helpful, but sometimes that stuff can puff up. But it's like, it's saying things like, I really like who you are. Or you belong here. You're really important in my life. God has made you in really, to have with really beautiful gifts. Those kind of things that like build up. Um, I read this interesting article. There was like, back in the 70s, they had this self-esteem movement. And I see it now, where you try to make, make everybody feel good about themselves. You've seen all those shirts little kids wear. This is what amazing looks like. And it's like, you go through all this like, man, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing. And the people who did that, I read this article, someone who led this self-esteem movement. At the end, they were like, that was a bad idea. <laughs> it didn't actually work. You know what we should, they, and they said in this article, you know what we should have communicated to our kids? You're really loved. And let's communicate that to one another. You know what? You're really loved. It's weird to say I love you, but in whatever words are comfortable, you know, you are really loved. You're a great athlete too, wonderful. You are really loved. Um, I want to leave you with just two things. Would you let God tell you who you are? In the midst of a world that has a ton of voices that say a ton of things about who you are, would you let the most important person in the whole world, would you let your true father say to you, you are my beloved. With you, I am well pleased. Would you let that voice have dominance, have precedence in your life? Would you let that voice define you? And the second, would you let the Holy Spirit use you to build up his people? Would you allow the Holy Spirit within you to build up the church in whatever gift you have, in all these various ways that we need, that we would not be tossed to and fro by all the waves, but that we would be built up. I think you guys are probably hungry. Um, These are the five points I want to ask you guys, it's so easy to hear a bunch of good stuff um, and then just run off and play. I want, I want to ask you, so here's the five points that I shared. You are not defined by any measure this world can measure you with. You are not defined by who, you are defined by who God says you are. You have been given purpose, which is a small but significant role to play in God's kingdom. You are not inferior to anyone. You are not superior to anyone you have an opportunity to reinforce the true identity of others, to build them up. I want you to choose one of those that hits you or one of those that might be important to you, and I want to ask you to talk about that with somebody at lunch. Um, you, what, what is that? It might be, hey, that, that truth that I'm not inferior to anyone or not superior, that was significant to me for this reason. But I want to encourage you just to have a conversation with somebody at lunch about that and, and chew on that a little bit. Um, 
Let's pray, and then I know Aaron's gonna come up and give us some directions, and uh, we'll eat some lunch. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for loving us. God, I thank you that you met me where I was at and allowed me to see your love. God, I ask that each person here, they would know your love in a deeper way, that they would know your voice, that it, your voice would be greater than all the other voices. God, I ask that you would empower the gifts that you have given in this room, that those gifts would be used to grow your body and build your body and strengthen your church. May anyone here who's feeling like they're not that valuable, would you remind them of their value? Would you fan those gifts into flame? Would you bring them out of hiding? Would you use those? And would you be honored in Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks, Dove. That that man is a it's been a huge gift in my life, definitely. <laughs> D- Dove's not on the bottom right there. He's the he's the O, and I'm I'm the G there. Okay, um, so next we are going to break for lunch. We're going to be be uh, breaking from now until two. Um, th- this afternoon, and like Dove said, give uh, or take that time to take an opportunity to discuss what he just shared with, with somebody else. Um, a couple other things. One, if you're a senior in high school right now, um, it, a few people thought it'd be great to get together and just talk about future plans. Some of you have plans solidified and some of you don't, but just for some of you to get together and, and, and talk about that and see if um, even something would come out of that, some direction that would come out of that. So seniors, you can have lunch in the gathering place, which is kind of the little almost coffee shop type area off of the gym back there. So seniors can go to the gathering place and eat if you'd like. Um, for food, we've, we've got a, everybody take a sandwich, uh, chips, and, a, and um, a cookie. Start with one, though. So just take one to begin with, and then if there are leftovers, you can come back and, and, and have more. Um, but take one. Um, why don't I pray for us? I'll pray for our meal, and then you can go to the gym and get your food. Well, Lord Jesus, we just, uh, before we, we eat a meal, we want to remember that you have given, and you've given generously. And so before we have just a, a simple bite to eat, we want to stop and acknowledge that it's because of your grace that, that we can eat, that you sustain us. And so thank you for that. I thank you that you sustain us physically and you sustain us spiritually. And you're doing that this weekend. Um, thank you for all the good that you have brought into our lives. And so we give you the glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, go eat and be back here at 2.